Lori Houston's News for the Heart is dedicated to helping you give a voice to your own soul. Our hearts have the power to free us from pain and the struggles that keep us from awakening to our true essence. Join Lori now as we delve into our heart and soul to find the path that will open us to the possibilities and lead us to the life we love to live. Hey, good afternoon. This is News for the Heart. It's been a little while because we've had some interesting construction happening here, but we are I am so excited about today. Of course, my guest, my guest, my co-host is Jean Adrian, and we are going, our book has just been released, so we are playing today with some of the authors that are part of Realities of Creation books. So I have Jean Adrian with me, and I have Julia Griffin, who is, who is the author of the chapter that is Creating from Your True Self, and Jean, of course, is Creating from DNA, which I'm excited to uh, to talk to both of you. I know, Jean, we talk all the time, but it's always fun to uh, to play. And so we're just going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to bring in some other authors as we move through. This is going to be an extra long session. It's going to be about two hours long. So we're just going to play and have some fun. So join us and enjoy the ride because we're going to talk all about our new book, Realities of Creation. There are nine amazing authors that are part of this culmination that has created this book. We're we're really working towards making it a bestseller on Amazon and we're getting there. We're getting really close from what Jean says. So yay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I just checked and we're in the top one hundred uh, awesome. of Kindle books in Ooh. New Age and Spirituality. So this is very, very exciting. It is. Wow. I, I mean it it just came out. I mean the Kindle version only came out was it just last week or the yeah, yeah it was just like a, last week, week. a week ago yeah so whoo we're doing great now Julia I'm I we know so much about Jean and we're going to play in with all of this and we're going to just chat and talk about it but tell me about your chapter what what is your essence and what is what have you brought into it that in, that is so uniquely you okay the first point that I want to make and everyone is already aware of this We all have a part of ourselves that we've tapped into at least once or twice when all of a sudden our lives started to change and move upstream. There have been times when we've known our personal truth and it's spoken through us. There have been times when we felt our heart and we felt our love that goes out to all humanity or everything that's around us or we've had a dream that told us what's going to happen or how we should change or something about ourselves. So... The true self is what we want to return to as often as we can because it's who we are. It's our inner self. It's the point from which we experience all these other realities. The way that I came up with that was that I worked with wolves and I could hear them talk and they more or less knew secrets of the universe. And they taught me to visualize what I wanted to experience. Well, sometimes they would all come in on something and make it so real and so incredible and magical that it was unbelievable. Other times they would go like, no, that's not a good one. And they would go to sleep and I would go like, but I want that one. I really want it. Come on, help me, help me. And they wouldn't even look at me. (laughs) So over time, I learned that when things are aligned with our true self, we have this huge realm of power 
to tap into other realities, to change our DNA, to hear our heart. So if every day we say, I want to become more of who I really am, I want to become more of my true self, we stay on that path and we find and integrate more of who we really are, which is the whole point of awakening, right? Yeah, beautiful. Can I just ask you to move a little bit away from the microphone? It's popping a little bit, but... Okay, how's that? That's perfect. Much better. Okay. Yeah. Much better, yes. Um, yeah, you know, it's so it's so amazing. I mean, what I love about this book is it's nine different women who have unique views on how the world is is creating. And we all overlap. We're all very similar. We all have, you know, our unique essence and our unique gift to offer that without, you know, the world would not be what it is. We're all here to, you know, we all have this unique signature. So I love what you're saying. Mine, my chapters on the power of the heart. We're, we're soul sisters here, Julia, <laughs> for sure. Cause we, we, we chat about and talk about similar things. I love that you have the wolf as part of your guides. Um, that's, that's beautiful. Um, I know that they're supposed to be, uh, one of my spirit guides. I, I don't connect in with them in the same way just because that's just not part of my unique, um, experience, but that's awesome. I love that story. I love how you, you know, you bring it in. And Jean, why don't you briefly talk about the DNA and RNA? Because I know, you know, let's, let's share, let's, you know, talk about how all of this sort of fits together. Well, you know, it does. Um, because the DNA brings in pieces from our physical self and connects them to our etheric or spiritual self because we've got DNA in both. We've got DNA strands in our physical body. At one point, we probably had like 144 DNA strands in our physical body. Now we have two, but the rest of them are in our emotional, mental, spiritual, etheric bodies uh, or some other dimensional aspect of ourselves. So when you use your DNA and you get in alignment and get your DNA in alignment with what you're wanting. No different than Julia brings the wolves into alignment to help her manifest in conjunction with the nature kingdom, then things happen much more rapidly and much more accurately. Um, and when, the, when your DNA is not in alignment with you, just like when the wolves went to sleep, then it means that things aren't really uh, supposed to happen that way. You have to adjust got to tweak it until you get the stuff into alignment. But our DNA is as sentient as a wolf is or as the heart is. You know, it's a it's a, a living part of us. And you know, and it grows and it changes with us. I kind of believe that the DNA is part of our connection to the divine mind or the, you know, the knowledge of all that is or the great big computer behind all of this or whatever you want to call it. But the DNA is, is the strand that gets us connected or tapped in so that we can access everything that's ever happened and all the knowledge that ever was and also so that we can contribute our pieces, the information that we're gathering on a moment-by-moment -moment basis 
we get to put that, feed that back in. No different than we're typing it into our keyboard and storing it on our hard drive. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. 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 Now, Julia, your picture on Skype has these beautiful dogs. Are they part wolf? Yeah, they're about 60% wolf. They look so beautiful and so friendly. A lot of times, um, well, there was a time when the wolf was being mixed with, with huskies, and then they were saying how dangerous they are, but yours definitely don't look at all. They're part Malamute, and the first one that lived with me I got when my son was four. So they're very gentle. I've actually met one of um, Julia's wolves. She brought a wolf named Sheba to my house. God, how many years ago has that been, Julia? 10, 12? About 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Um, and taught an animal communication class and let a bunch of us learn how to communicate to the wolves. And it was one of the most profound experiences. It, it was just a pivotal moment for me. Um, I, I can still actually fall back into the feeling memory of that class just right now. Yeah, because they carry universal knowledge like the DNA or like the heart. And we never lose those moments. As a matter of fact, we recreate ourselves from those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's who we become as we walk on the spiritual path. Sure. And how, okay, so how was your bond created with them? Like what, what made you even, you know, move towards the wolves? I mean, they're, they're a very wise uh, teacher. Um, I had a dream which terrified me. (laughs) And um, then on the next full moon, my now ex-husband had a friend who had just moved to wolves from Atlanta. And he said, do you want to see them? And I said, oh, no, I never want to be around a wolf. And they were wild. And when I saw them, I had to go into the pen. And they just came to me and rolled at my feet. And I fell in love with them. Mm -hmm. So that's what a totem animal does. You often feel either very strongly repelled are very strongly attracted, either emotion, you know, it's a passionate emotion. And then we just began to merge and like five or six hours later, the wolves were talking to me. Mm. And now how do you communicate? See, everybody very different. So do you hear, are they, is it images? What? All of it, all of it simultaneously. Nice. And has that how it started as well? Was it that simultaneous? Yeah. Or did Uh it begin with one sense? Nice. Beautiful. So you are definitely meant to connect with the wolves. That's part of your your gift. Yes. And for my entire childhood, because of the way we're programmed by media, I often dreamed that wolves were sleeping in my room and I would jump up as high as I could and they were still all around me and I would wake up screaming. Well, when I look back, they were protecting me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's funny how... When we don't understand something, because I had a, an interesting experience with some ghosts at one point, and I was so afraid that I, I shut down that clairvoyant um, gift because it frightened me so much. I didn't, they weren't, they weren't being frightened, frightening. It just, it frightened me. So I never actually even brought that gift back because it, I shut it off so so adamantly because of fear it's funny how when we don't understand something we just automatically go into that you know collective unconscious of fear and shut things down and misread the information mm-hmm. yeah because i mean Lori, that's exactly what happened to me when i was about 18 months old um you know the the house i was living in 
had an awful lot of paranormal activity, and I was left alone in my crib for great long periods of time, and uh, it frightened me so much that I shut that stuff down until I was in my 50s. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I think I think we all have, you know, those experiences, and we, you know, unless we are nurtured um, by our families or our peers or someone, it's, at some point we need to that for that to be nurtured for us to allow it to evolve and grow. And it's, it's just unique how it happens for all of us because we've all had that experience. I mean, the kids now that are being born (laughs) they're I mean, they're amazing because their gifts are like on board, bright, bright lights. They're, they're just so ready to be part of this world and, uh, and share in the creation. I mean, we're the, we're the ones that had to lead the way. That's why the book will touch so many people because it has these great offerings and gifts of, you know, the people that came before these new kids that, you know, we, we don't quite know how to even communicate and create with them yet because we are just kind of moving into our own and figuring it out from our own uniqueness, which, you know, which I love. I think it's just, so important on you know the path and the fact that we all you know we're, we're not all exactly the same age but we kind of came from that same place and are you know offering these you know these wonderful opportunities and gifts and because they're so varied because they're so unique I mean it, it just offers each each chapter people will pick up you know, one little thing or maybe a few big things, but they'll pick up something that will assist them to help shift them into a different consciousness and allowing to create. I think it's easier now because so many people are awakening. You know, we're having the group collective awakening. And so the fear base of mass consciousness is not as deep. And there's so much information now that you can get to, for example, our book, And with the new age children, the thing that I so admire about them is they see everything that's happening in the world straight on and they are still completely full of hope. Yeah, yeah. They really truly believe and know they can change it. And what do the wolves feel? They think we're going through a huge shift right now. Like nature and the planet are really picking up in vibration. And they just say that we have three or four different realities that we can choose from as this shift takes place, I'm asking now about how long, and they're saying seven to nine months, but that's just based on the information in this moment. Right. And and when you say that there are three to four different realities, tell me a little bit about what they're seeing. Or Well, one is that things like our book and people who do the work that we do, everyone goes into a higher reality. Yeah. And things balance out with abundance, more time, time to spend outside, less hate, less anger, people more aware of their ability to create. Another reality, and we're all creating these, so let's get clear about it, is that there's like a dividing line and some people go into a higher reality and some people go into a lower reality. There's another one where there's a middle ground and then they say we always have to leave room for something that's completely and totally unexpected. So they won't discuss that one. (laughs) Isn't that the case? Yes. (laughs) Why do they do that? (laughs) Because mystery is part of spirituality 
and mystery is part of growth. I think that's one of the most exciting things about visualization and manifestation. No one knows what the rules are, and they change all the time with our level of spirituality and insight and our understanding of truth in ourselves. Besides, if we really knew the exact thing that would happen, we would we would either change it in some way or, you know, we're not allowing the universe to offer its magic and sharing the way the universe wants to share. We're trying to control it, right? And let's face it, that's just boring. <laughs> yes, that's it right there. That's what they're saying. That's totally boring. <laughs> There's no surprise with it. The other thing is that truly manifestation and visualization are journey into ourself. It's like, say I decide I'm going to manifest a little black dress and I get it and I'm like, oh, I wish I hadn't made it long sleeved. I wish I had made it above the knee. Okay, then I'll correct that manifestation. I'll find out more about me. Oh, this is the style that looks better on me. And that's how we manifest. We manifest things, we adjust them. The universe adjusts them, or they come out exactly like we saw, we saw it in our minds. We're learning about who we are and what fits our inner self, and that's a journey. Yeah, it truly well, is. I think we're also learning, remembering about how powerful we are mm-hmm. as part of our true inner self, because I think that's a big piece of what you know, we've given away. That's what we reject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's fun. It's, you know, it's, I I like how they've put it that we're, we have these alternate realities and because we've all known what it's like to, you know, to be in that space of expansiveness and, and, you know, feeling that, I don't know yet if it's quite the fifth dimension, but feeling that openness with, you know, the, the, with no fear and, you know, the expansiveness as we, you know, we, we move on our path. And I think that's really the path of being fully present in the moment so that, you know, we're not in linear time. We're just, we're just here present fully. That magical world of possibilities where anything can come true and remarkable things happen and there's only joy. Yeah, and even though some of the things that get us to that place don't so much feel like joy, because Hmm. I mean, even just today, Julia and I were having a conversation a couple of hours ago uh, because uh, Friday of last week, I allowed myself to (laughs) be impinged upon by psychic attack from someone that I know. And it caused me great distress and discomfort. But I knew what was happening. I was really consciously aware of it and and processing through it. But the only thing I couldn't figure out was why in the heck would I allow that? I mean, why why would I be vulnerable to something like that? Because I know how to take care of my energy. I know all about energetic hygiene. I know, you know, what causes these things and why they happen. Um, But yet, periodically, I still allowed myself to become vulnerable. And, um, you know, Julia suggested to me that perhaps the reason for this was because part of maybe my dharma is to help patch that up um, for mass consciousness. So about an hour ago, I did a session on myself and uh, it was it was actually quite interesting. It went back to another lifetime, which in my reality means it's another dimension because there is no such thing as time. 
And um, I was kicked out of the group, the coven, the uh, Avalon, whatever it was. I don't know exactly. And um, as, as my parting shot from the powers that be, I mean, apparently I'd done something quote unquote wrong. Um, so my punishment was to be expunged from the group. And as, as the, the, the parting shot was, oh, yeah, by the way, we're taking away all your magic so you can't protect yourself. And I bought it. I believed it. And I've been believing it apparently for over 2,000 years. Um, you know, realizing, of course, that that's nobody's right to do because that uh, the ability to protect myself is part of universal law. So yeah. I always had that. You know, so um, we're we're now we're in a place, I think, where we're stepping back into our power to create, to be whole and safe and happy and blessed and blissed. And all we've got to do is just let go of those incorrect memories that that's not so. Yeah, I you know, I um, I do a lot of work in clearing and I I, I get it. Like I, I understand why it happens. Um, you know, most of the time the decisions we make, you know, are, are not quite so conscious or they've been done so long ago that it would be impossible to even become conscious of it in this life. I mean, there's always obviously examples that happen to help us, you know, kind of remember or push us towards that memory of, you know, this is a choice we made. Um, mm. But it, it, it always amazes me when, you know, it happens. And, you know, when I connected in uh, with the mystery school, when I first kind of explored this dimension of that part of what I do, um, you know, it came to my awareness that I chose some pretty dark energies to assist me, not because... I wanted dark energies around me, but because at that time, that was the only way to have the power to help people. So, you know, we do all sorts of, you know, interesting choices <laughs> that, um, you know, at the time was the only thing we thought was possible for us. So, you know, we make all sorts of interesting choices that uh, mm -hmm. can uh, impact our lives. What do the wolves feel about that? I mean, wolves are, are very protective animals, although... But at any time, we can switch into the channel of our soul. When we make decisions to act with courage and bravery, we throw off those past lives. When we say, sure, I'm afraid, but I'm going to try to create this, I'm going to take another step forward. I'm going to believe that there are powers of light that align with my soul that are a thousand times stronger than these old, silly, dark things. Mm -hmm. I'm going to return to who I was in the beginning and finish the circle of my walk. Beautifully said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's placement of consciousness. Sure, we're all overcoming that. Sure, the first time I was alone with ten wolves, I was afraid out of my mind, but I knew they'd bite me if I got really scared, so <laughs> I made myself brave. And then that was over. Wow. So you can make yourself brave. It's just 
what you're talking about right now is that the world is protesting the people who don't want to go into the light. You're feeling, we're all feeling their fear, their darkness. Some of these things that we see as past lives are not even necessarily ours. Mm -hmm. The world can generate an image of someone else's past life and make us feel as though it was ours. So we can, let's just see, you know, like a beautiful ocean wave comes in and washes that away. And the memory of who we really are, that perfection or the person that becomes brave and takes that step when we don't know how to do it, does it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it. in some ways it's much easier than we believe it is. Um, we just... We, we just get caught up. We, we, because of those, you know, three or four different possibilities of realities, we can easily go from that expansive, beautiful, um, flowing energy back into fear. It's, it can happen so quickly and it's really just us, you know, kind of getting caught up in linear time. I love that phrase. I heard Emmanuel Dagger talk about it. You know, linear time is just when we get caught in linear time, we're either focusing on the past or worrying about the future. And to get out of linear time, all we have to do is is be present and fully in our bodies, fully grounded, fully part of, you know, the world. But we get caught up in linear time because... Well, it's not just that. It's that there are actually patterns or waves of energy that pass through everyone in their homes. They're, some of them are actually mm-hmm. geographical. Mm-hmm. So what I say is, okay, right now you feel afraid or not centered or anxious. And that's okay because it happens periodically. You know it's mass consciousness and it will clear in a few hours or a few days. And then after that, you'll feel like yourself again. But while you feel that way, let's do the things that make you feel better. Like yoga, working in the garden, eating good food, thinking about how you can help other people, meditating. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as you start to do those things while holding a memory of what you're like when you're connected, the faster it goes. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm there. I get it. Uh, well, you sometimes know, people get so caught up. Go ahead. Programmed for so long. Yeah. I mean, since my childhood, I've always heard, yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta feel the burn. You gotta really work hard. You know, gotta, you know, and and struggle. the bottom line on that is you gotta struggle. And so we, I think we bought into the fact that easy is not the right way, that if it's too easy, then, you know, there's something wrong. But that's totally not in alignment with my truth. My truth is if it's easy for me, it's right for me. But sometimes I forget that truth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Um, We're going to actually bring Lynn in. And Julia, I don't know if you want to continue on with us for a little bit. If you don't, um, thank you. I can stay for another five or 10 minutes. Okay, perfect. Just let us know when you're going to go so that I can, you know, thank you again for uh, joining us. Hey, Lynn. Hey, how are you? Good. This is so exciting. (laughs) 
we're just going to play today. So, Lynn, your chapter in our amazing book is all about the mind, the body-mind connection. So chat about that a little bit. I, I do have uh, Julia with us and Jean's with us, of course, because she's my co-host. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. <laughs> well, the chapter that I wrote in the book is kind of a little bit of um, somewhat of a biography of how I came to some of the um, talents and abilities that I've come to know so far. Hopefully more will unfold as life goes on. But uh, for what I have right now, and really, it's kind of a journey as to things that have tripped me up that I know have tripped up a lot of people in terms of different sayings we have and different things that go on where it just kind of seems like our mind kind of gets us in trouble, uh, being strong-minded and strong-willed and things like that, and as if that's a bad thing, when really, what if that was a good thing? And really, it's about how do you take all of the molecules, all of the cells, all of the parts of you and have them work together as one rather than making certain parts bad that darn mind or or that darn body or whatever and and separating them which doesn't help the situation so it's about how do we bring all this together so everything's working together in one direction for one thing to make a fabulous life Mm, nice nice so julia we've been talking about her wolves and her story and how she uh, creates from that which is amazing of course you know that Jean talks about DNA and RNA and that's amazing and my chapter of course is on the heart and you know I can be very passionate about that so we're we're bringing in all the different areas now um, so when I mean a lot of times the mind can get us really kind of caught up so how do we move from into our bodies so that we can create that groundedness and that way to um, really to create from that space. Well, and it's really from creating from from all of it, all parts, mm-hmm. not even just Don't the body. But it, it really is all about the mind is kind of like a muscle, just like when you go to the gym and you want to build your abs or build your build your arms. It's like a muscle, and so it has to be exercised. It has to be challenged. To me, when that mind muscle is weak, then that's when that self-doubt and that little mind chatter and everything can kind of come in and take over. So part of this is a little bit of practice, which I know a lot of people don't want to hear about that, you know, I don't want to have to actually (laughs) practice and have to work at something. And I can't say that that's the most fun part of it. But for me, one of the pieces I always add to everything is how can I make this fun for me? And so I'm kind of like the detective. I'm always looking for something new, some new angle, some new energy, some new vibration that will just totally change things. And so some of the biggest pieces of it is really have fun with it. How do you detox some of these thoughts, feelings, and emotions that create this? And what I, I to me, that's detoxing, just like so many people talk about, okay, I have to take these herbs or do this or do that to get heavy metals out of my body. Well, in my world, those thoughts, feelings, and emotions that get in the way are just as toxic as 
heavy metals and chemicals and everything else out there. So detoxing some of that and then learning how to exercise it and learning to communicate with yourself. If you are going to be, you and I are going to be best friends, we have to actually communicate, number one, and, and call each other and talk. But number two, when I call you, you can't tell me that I don't look very nice today or what's wrong with me today or be mean to me. We're not going to be best friends for very long. So if you want to become best friends with your body, with all of your being, with all of your cells, you have to learn to be able to go, wow, I'm, I'm a great person. And check that body out. No matter what size, no matter what you look like, it doesn't really matter. It's about the energy of it. Yeah, perfect. Okay, ladies, let's play with this. What would the wolves say, Julia, about having fun? What, what is their... What, what, how do they kind of perceive that essence? Well, I think that wolves in are pretty superior to human beings and that they play their entire lives. They make up games. They hide things. They play in the water. They believe that play is incredibly important. The other thing is she's talking about what I call the inner dialogue. And when they first started to teach me how to visualize, I was amazed at how many thoughts were in the way of whatever it was that I wanted to create. And since that time, I've learned that that's part of the process. Anything that you have difficulty creating, you have a huge, weird inner dialogue about. And so what Lynn is saying about practice, too, is true. You have to practice with your visualization, your connection, your thoughts. I think she's absolutely right on. Well, Julie, I don't know how much longer you want to stay with us, but I very much appreciate you. You're welcome to stay on if you want, um, but I very appreciate you coming and joining us today, and maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll do another show on animal communication because that would be fun. Okay. Perfect. And Julia, what is your website so people know oh, yeah, how to yeah, find sorry. out more about you? One True Self, O-N-E, True Self dot com. Perfect. Oh, O-N-E. Okay. okay, I'll let you ladies go. Thank Lynn, you. I love what you're saying. It's wonderful. Thank you. Thank I'll you so you. much. I love about the wolves. I've got to learn more now. <laughs> okay, this is so great. Thank you all. Namaste. Namaste. Okay, Jean, so in your, what is your thing about having fun? Because, you know, we play anyway, but, you know, what is, what is, what does the DNA and RNA say that to assist us to have fun? Well, that, that it's always there and you just have to activate the vibration of it within yourself. And that was really a big wake-up call for me because for the last, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years, I forgot how to have fun, Lori. <laughs> I, um, I got so serious. It was like I bought into this um, lie that in order to be spiritual and, you know, all the stuff that's wrapped around that, that you had to be really serious, that it was a serious thing. And so I quit having fun. I quit doing things that I enjoyed and, you know, spent all of my time, you know, focusing on my belly button and (laughs) meditating and writing books and, you know, working with clients. And I mean, and I enjoyed that, but I didn't know what fun was outside of my dharma. Mm. You know, so I had to reactivate it. And that, you know, that was what I got from the DNA was that, you know, it's, it's here. You, you still remember how to have fun, but you've got to refine that vibration of it. And so I had to make a conscious effort and a choice. 
to yeah. do that. Now I have fun every day. <laughs> I think, you know, I think some of us don't even get downloaded with the vibration of fun. Like I think it really, you know, as children, I think, you know, have you ever met those like really, really serious kids? Mm. I mean, I know that there's stuff going on in their family life and things, but you know, sometimes we just forget. And I think sometimes we're just not, that vibration just isn't even activated within us. Sometimes it, we, you know, especially the, the people that came before, the ones that the you know the the ones of us that are you know kind of clearing the path towards this spiritual journey. I mean, we've been around for so many lives, and you know it's it, we've always seen our spiritual journey and our spiritual path as something so incredibly serious. And I really you know I really think that it is time to play. Like it's not the mystics and the you know, the um, monks that are living in caves that are the ones that are showing the way right now. It's, you know, it's, it's not to, you know, live on a mountaintop anymore. It's, it's to be in the city. It's to be part of everything and to, and to find a way to, to love life, to open your heart, to expand, you know, in every way to create that, that essence and to remember that we really are here to have fun you know in one sense this is a giant game we're here to and, go and Lori this is where this is where your your mind and your body can actually help because I was a competitive swimmer from the age of four so it, it wasn't fun it was a job mm. you know and that's kind of how my whole life was it wasn't until recently where it's just like ever fun is in every day I always say if it's not going to be fun for me I'm not doing it <laughs> at this point in my life but it's when I had to sit down and go okay so what is fun for me I was like well I don't really know what is fun I, I don't really know how to have fun you know I go in a swimming pool and I just kind of stand there and watch everybody else have fun because to me when you're in a pool you have work to do so it again that's kind of retraining that muscle of the mind of, okay, it's okay to loosen up. It's okay to, you know, play volleyball in the pool or it's okay to do something different. But you can start communicating with your body and go, okay, so what's going to be fun for us to do today? So many people will come and talk with me about their weight and things like that. And they're very sedentary and they hate cardio. They hate going to the gym. And I get all that. Okay, but there's <laughs> a lot of things you can do other than just go to the gym or get on a treadmill. You know, go walking out in the woods or go hiking or go swimming in a lake or, you know, there's just so many other things. So if you if you get the mind and you get the body together and go, okay, guys, so what's going to be fun for us and just kind of let it guide you, you'll wind up on a path you never knew you were going to be on. And a lot of times it involves nature and animals and a lot of different things. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm 51 and I'm learning how to barrel race horses right now. So oh, go, cool. Going 40 miles an hour on a horse. So that's the latest in my my fun factor. Okay, you got to explain <laughs> what a barrel race is with horses. Um, it, basically, it's kind of like in, they do them in rodeos, but they have specific barrel racing shows where literally there's three barrels or there's six barrels, depending on what the race is, in this huge arena. And they open a chute and you go as fast as you can and you do a circle around each of the three and then you gallop as fast as you can back out through the timer. So in about 16 seconds, you run this whole race. And so literally you're going 40 miles an hour on a horse. <laughs> That's scary to me. 
That's what doesn't sound like fun to me. <laughs> Everybody's version of fun is different, exactly. right? Uh-huh. Exactly. That sounds awesome to me. <laughs> but my point is, you know, yeah. I'm 51 years old and at 51, I'm starting this. And I hear so many people saying, you know, I'm, a, I'm too old to do this or, or you know, whatever the, the reason is. And I'm not saying you have to go out and go 40 miles an hour on a horse, but what's fun for you? It's never too late to start. That's the other part. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's the big gift that we're here. It's like you can choose at any moment. It's, it's like, do you want to choose fear? Do you want to choose love? Do you want to get in the vibration of, you know, growing towards love? And, and it's a choice. It's always a choice. I love, there was um, this one healer in his messages, if you loved yourself, what would you do? And to continue asking yourself, no matter what, you know, whether it's a small or a big choice, but if you loved yourself, what would you do? And it's kind of a, an interesting concept because we, you know, we kind of don't really know what self-love is. We're, um, you know, we're getting there. We're, we're, we're evolving that. Um, but it's, it's kind of a neat thing to ask ourselves. So if you loved yourself and you wanted to play, what would you do? So you chose something that sounds to me incredible, but yes, I can understand. I mean, I'm sure for me, it would cause a lot of pain, but I would still really love it. <laughs> well, and let's add another question to that question, because it's a great question to ask yourself. And that is, if you didn't have fear, what yeah. would you choose? Because so many people, you know, some people, it's just leaving their house on a daily basis brings up fear. And to me, all of these things are programs. They're just these records that keep playing on a record player that say, well, if I choose A, then this is what's going to happen. They've already decided what's going to happen to them. And so the fear comes in. And the fear and the doubt and things like that in my world are just things that we use to hold ourselves back. You know, where we really want to do something, but it's like, okay, do I really want to do this or am I going to stand here and let something paralyze me? And there's a difference between, um, you know, Gene saying, no, I'm not interested in that. That's not, that's <laughs> not fear. That's just, you know what? I asked my body and my body went, uh-uh, I'm not interested <laughs> exactly. in that at all, right? So there's a huge difference between the knowing of, no, that doesn't work for me versus am I allowing some fear to hold me back? Like think of public speaking. So many people have a fear of public speaking. And sometimes we just have to work our way through it. And that's that retraining that mind muscle and getting the body involved and getting all of the parts of you involved and going, okay, so what's it going to take for us to do this? What do we have to detox? What do we have to get rid of? What's being triggered here so we can move forward with this? Yeah. Well, fear is a huge, huge, I mean, it is the opposite of love. So it is the thing that kind of holds us back from doing what we not only what we what will be fun, but just who we are. I mean, it, it blocks our whole essence. Gene, what does DNA or RNA? I mean, I know that you've done you know beautiful things around this, and I know your clearing work, which Innerspeak is, you know, is all about clearing our fears. But what does the DNA and RNA say around fears? Well, fears are an illusion. Um, that it's not our true nature to be afraid. But it's something that we created 
in order to experience that essence that um, you know, what we're really trying to achieve is amassing large quantities of information. And so without fear, we, we, we don't have the ability to see the 360-degree picture of any kind of uh, anything that happens. So therefore, we've created this, and it helps us to look at the shadow side or the reflection of the shadow of everything that we come in contact with so that we can gather more data. And so we store that in the DNA, and then it gets transmitted into mass consciousness, into the divine mind, whatever you want to call it. So it's all about information gathering. Can I tell a great story, Lori, about Jean? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> so years ago, I had a radio show. Um, I kind of followed in Jean's footsteps, asked her a lot of questions, didn't listen to her advice, and then didn't like quite where it led me. So there's the first part of that story. But anyways, so I'm on my own radio show, and literally for I think it was at least the first three months, maybe even longer, in the middle of every show I did – my line would get dropped. We tried Skype. We had a landline. We did a cell phone. It did not matter where I called in from. My own radio show would dump me off the show in the middle of my show. And it was a live show. So it wasn't, you know, pre-recorded or anything. So I had Jean on and I was interviewing her and she said, you know, what is it you want to work on? Is there something you want, Lynn, rather than just your audience? And I went, you know what? I want to quit getting dumped off my own show. <laughs> so Jean did her inner speak uh, with me. And, you know, is and to me, this is a great example, too, because how many times do we we say we really want something, but there's some little fear, there's some little something that we're still allowing to hold us back, right? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I don't remember exactly what that little nugget was, but she did her inner speak stuff. I never, I had that radio show for two more years after that, and I never, ever once got kicked off my own show from that day forward. Well, and the reason that? you don't remember what it was is because it 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 doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, you you totally let it go. There's no reason for you to remember it. Yep. So I just want everybody to hear things like that because it's the you know it's it's not always conscious stuff. So even these TFEs that we're talking about that that our mind is functioning from, or our body's functioning from, a lot of times maybe from some past life that we don't even know what they are. And so it's like, well, how, how the heck do I get rid of this one? I don't even know I even have it or what it is. But there's these subtle little hints that tell us that there's something there. There's something that's going on, like being dropped off your own show. That was my subtlety there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Jean and I have done a lot of work over the years too. I, you know, it's it's funny. It's it's it, we all have these unique gifts. You know, it's it's so amazing when we can all bring them together because you know we're so much more powerful when we all unite. And that's what I love about our book is that we've brought so many different people with their own unique offerings and gifts and you know becoming their true essence that it's it's just such a lovely way to you know bring everybody together move the energy in a way that assists in you know the entire world you know taking some 
next steps and moving forward and taking, you know, little bits from everybody's chapter to allow them to, you know, to assist in their own growth process. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It really is. Really is. How you doing, Jean? (laughs) I am doing great. Oh, awesome. Are you feeling better now? I am actually. Good. Yeah. (laughs) I thought your energy felt a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think it's got a lot to do with when we tap into our passion. Um, And this, you know, really kind of speaks to our book. But when we tap into our passion, we get energized. Um, There's a a huge source of um, support that's available to us just because we're in alignment with what we love. Yeah, it's that's that's always true because it's we're moving into our own essence. We're moving into, mm-hmm. you know, who we truly are. So it allows us to become more expansive and then that energy grows and it it pushes out all the fear. That's when we step into that one reality that uh, that Julia was talking about, which is, you know, whether it's the fifth dimension or, you know, however we want to, you know, call it, it's that where, you know, fears start to, we're, we're present, we're fully present in the moment, we're doing what we love, and we're in our own essence. So everything else sort of gets, you know, pushed out. And it's, uh, even though we can remember, because <laughs> we always have that moving into that timeline, but, you know, it, this is when we're in our full power, we get energized and excited and passionate, because it's who we are. And we get to share that with the world. I mean, how lucky are we? Yeah, very lucky. Right. And this is what we want to assist everybody to be able to do is because, you know, it's so funny because we we look at, you know, there's so many people out there. We look at, you know, healing, changing, fixing, you know, all of these things that we're trying to help other people do. But that's not really what we're here to do. We're help. We're here to help people come into their full essence. They're the only ones that can change or heal or fix themselves. We're just the toolbox. We're just the people that offer them different ways of looking at the world, different perspectives, different ways to open up their heart, different ways to allow their mind and bodies to work together, different ways to bring their DNA and RNA into alignment. It's, it's all about really just uncovering the essence of who we are and just getting rid of all the stuff that's blocking that essence from shining. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Isn't this fun? (laughs) It is. So Lynn, you do some pretty amazing uh, work. You have a, a unique gift that lets you see inside the body. Mm. Um, you know, inside the cells and find places where stuff's gotten stuck and trapped and it's not moving. Uh, can I, could I ask you for a little assistance? Because I've been having a physical challenge sure. um, that started on Friday. Um, and it, it started as uh, a pain um, in my back. And, you know, from time to time, I've had problems with my lumbar discs, but this one's higher. This is like right at the level of my waist. And it seems to involve either my kidneys and or my adrenals. It's just a whole band of spasm across me, across my back, at the level of my waist. 
and I think it also is maybe impacting my psoas muscles in the front. I literally can't bend at the waist. Okay, so you have kind of the start of a couple little small kidney stones. Oh, great. So let's do some work. Blast those bad boys out of there. (laughs) Exactly, on pulverizing those. So do you take calcium supplements at all? You know, rarely. And I don't have a thyroid, so everybody always tells me that I should be taking calcium supplements. But I stopped because I felt like they weren't serving me. Yeah, because actually your body is your body is holding on to calcium. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you've kind of trained it to do that because without your thyroid, you're not going to have a parathyroid either. Right. So somehow maybe it's been trained to do that, but it's almost kind of storehousing a little bit. Uh huh. So we need to adjust how you're processing your calcium. Okay. Well, that's interesting because um, I... For some reason, I, I felt like there was something digestive connected in with this. And I had been buying yogurt, Greek yogurt again. For some reason, I was craving it. And I, you know, I was thinking as I was eating it, man, I should have checked in with my body because for some reason, I don't think I'm really supposed to be eating this. Yeah, it's, you've, and so I would try to look on the internet at maybe some uh, low calcium foods to eat for at least a couple of days but we're going to go ahead and adjust how it's processing um and then you can shoot me an email or call me later this week and let me know how you're doing okay yeah let's come to think of it i'd also i don't usually eat dairy at all and i also had eaten more cheese than i normally would interesting so you're craving the calcium things with Mm -hmm. calcium in it even though it's not really working for your body right well, there's a lot of other foods, though, even like spinach is very high in calcium and things like that. Mm-hmm. So just kind of look up what those high calcium foods are. Okay. And take a little bit of a breather. Good. Yeah. Um, are you drinking, what kind of water are you drinking? I drink, uh, I have a well, and uh, I take my well water, which you know, has been tested. It's pretty good. But I also put it in something called Balaqua. It's a machine that um, makes it um, alkaline. I have that as well. Um, you may want to drink a different water source. Your body's telling me, too, that this calcium is also coming from a water source. Now, whether that's from your well, that it has an influx of, you know, if it has like um, calcites and and any kind of limestone or anything like that, it's going to leach in more calcium, Uh things like that. And I know even with the Velacqua, it adds minerals. The the second stage filter adds minerals and stuff. It may be adding something that's helping to boost um, your calcium levels. Well, and then when I drink bottled water... Normally what I get is a bottled water called Eternal, but later, lately uh, it's been more expensive than a bottled water called Evermore, mm-hmm. both of which are alkaline waters. And so I have been buying Evermore 
um, of late. And I'm wondering if maybe that has. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. Water looks like water, right? right. But I remember we bought a case of water at a, um, a pharmaceutical store, um, Walgreens, CVS, that kind of thing one time. Mm-hmm. And we keep the uh, refrigerator in our basement really cold, you know, to have really cold drinks. And I went down there and literally one case of water that we bought at a regular store, regular grocery store, was totally liquid. The other one was solid. And I went, well, how in the world did this happen? And when I asked, one was a spring water and it had more minerals in it and the minerals made the water freeze under the same temperature as the other water that didn't have all the minerals in it. So. Water is definitely not water. So definitely ask some questions about your particular water supply, even if it's a bottled water, because a lot of the spring waters uh, or well waters a lot of times will have a lot more mineralization in them. Well, you know, and I've forgotten to do one of the cornerstone things that you teach people to do, and that was check in with my body. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Silly me. Tell us a little bit about the work that that you're doing and how you do that. Um, I, I'm called the body channel. I go and I basically dive into bodies. It can be people, it can be animals. I've been doing a lot with horses. So I thought it was funny that Julia works with, um, with wolves. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually dove into a couple of wolves, which was an interesting experience. But when I do the bodies just show me usually what's in at least in their top three to five things that are going on that are keeping them from optimal health. So it can be something as simple as um, uh, malnutrition or the small intestines is not um, absorbing correctly. It can be that the colon is backed up. It can be anything from smaller, more detoxy things like that to bigger ones such as I've worked with um, several doctors that have Um, been diagnosed with autoimmunes and most of them actually didn't have an autoimmune. It was a fungus that was growing uh, in different parts, either on an organ or on a bone, things like that. So I work with people all over the world um, and it can be literally anything from Parkinson's, you know, down to uh, emotional things because in my world, those thoughts, feelings, and emotions are what can create the blockages, the diseases that um, we create physically in the body. Right. Right. Cool. And how do you receive the information? Is it? It can be anything. Uh, I'll feel it in my body. I can see it. The body will literally just talk to me. Um, uh, I'll be transported somewhere. One of the one of the uh, most interesting experiences I had recently was. Um, a friend of mine had a horse that was in foal and um, they couldn't seem to get her to deliver. And they actually wanted a horse that was a specific color with specific colored eyes. And it was a girl and all this kind of stuff. And they said, jokingly, Lynn, can you go, you know, make this happen? And I'm like, the baby's due in like, you know, two days. I don't think I can just go in there and, you know, flip a switch. But when I dove in, it was the first time I dove into anything that was pregnant, human or animal, that I actually dove directly into the womb. And that was an amazing experience. It was kind of like being in an anti-gravity machine where it was like I was floating. Nice. Um, so every experience is different. That's one of the reasons why I love my job because it is different all the time. Right. Cool. I'm more than free to leave if you need to. 
Um, I certainly appreciate it. Tell us how people can find out about you. Um, you can go to Lynn Waldrop. It's L-Y-N-N-W-A-L-D-R-O-P dot com. And uh, I'll see you later tonight, Jean, on the realities of creation. Tell us of it. That's right. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Leslie, I was just looking out on Amazon a little bit ago, and we are at number 90 in the Kindle, Kindle book. Yes. Awesome. And our um, our uh, number of reviews is growing every day. Love it. I know. Yay. So, Leslie, we're glad to have you. This is Leslie Emerson, and her chapter is on, you have to do with emotions. So, this is kind I of do. emotional mastery, emotional freedom. I love that. So, tell us a little bit about what that means, and we'll join in and share and play. Oh, well, your emotions can drive so such a big part of your life, and if you don't have mastery over them, you really don't have freedom. Um, you know, nobody wants to, to live their life driven by fear or anger or depression, you know. So it's just understanding what your emotions are and how to make them work for you instead of against you. Right. So, but I like emotions because they, they are what, it's the spice of life. You know, sure. they can be messy, but that's how you know that you're here in this 3D world right. is through your emotions. Right. And I want to also introduce to you Maureen St. Germain. And Maureen is just joining us now as well. And her chapter is on creating with sacred geometry. So we have Jean Adrian with us, Leslie Emerson, and now we have Maureen St. Germain. And so I'm so honored that you all could join us for this amazing little call and Jermaine or Maureen please just let us know when you aren't available to talk as well Leslie just let me know because I want to make sure we get all your information in but so tell us a little bit about what you do Maureen Um, I teach people how to turn on their inner guru and get a hundred percent accuracy I've been teaching meditation and sacred geometry, manifestation, ascension work for a long time, over 20 years, and I've traveled all over the world teaching this. I've been very fortunate to have been invited to many, many places, and what I like to uh, to talk about today is the the material that I put into this book, Realities of Creation, is what I will call my centerpiece and how to get a higher self-connection and how not only to get the higher self-connection, but to get so much accuracy that you can rely on it. Because so many people get good intuition, but then they they use their mind at the same time and their mind dismisses something because their mind has information on their past and they end up with wishing they'd followed their higher self and wouldn't it be nice to have a tool that would allow you to know with absolute certainty um is this information from my higher self or is this my ego or what um and i i'd love to give you lots of examples but one of the ones that jumps out right away is the story of a man who is um um in charge of the furniture division of one of the nation's largest real retailers he was in china on a buying trip and he's looking at a table to approve it for mass manufacture. And, you know, we're talking millions of dollars here. 
And he looks at the table and his higher self gives him a signal that it's not right. So he checks in and what's going on? Well, one of the legs isn't uh, the right length. And so he says to them, um, that sample isn't acceptable. You're going to have to give me another sample. And they said, why? And he said, because one of the legs is shorter. And they said, no way. And he said, yes. And he asked his higher self how much. And it was a half an inch or quarter inch, some small amount shorter. And <laughs> I love your doggy's confirmation. And they argued. Chuckle hush. You know, it was a little bit across the room. And he said, get a ruler and measure it. And when they did, and it was clearly that half inch off, they were astounded. And they said, how could you know this? And he laughed and laughed and said to me, I couldn't tell him it was my higher self telling me how much it was off or that it was off in the first place. But they were pretty impressed that I could know that. And that's what we're talking about, the level of of knowledge that comes in, giving you what you need to know before you need to know it, and giving you guidance on every decision that you want. Pretty impressive. Very impressive. Um, what do you use to connect in? How do you how do you connect in, and how do you how do you ensure that it is your higher self? I mean, I've learned it, but from your perspective, how have you? made that clear okay so number one i tell everyone you can always improve your game so just like if you're a golfer you're always looking for a lower score um with your higher self connection you can always improve it no matter what level you think you have you could improve it so that's the first thing the second thing is i actually have a physical protocol so you practice for six weeks you do a certain number of steps which i'm going to teach you and then you use that in a practice period. Now, the practice period is very, very important because what it does is teaches your ego the difference between when it's your higher self and when it's not. And the way you practice is about stuff you don't care. So if you don't really care whether you have green beans tonight or broccoli and you're looking in your refrigerator what to fix, that's when you ask your higher self, higher self, broccoli? No. Green beans? No. Really? What's left? Salad. Oh, I forgot about the salad. And and what happens is little by little, experiences occur that help your ego see that your higher self has got the goods. So, for example, you've got a whole chicken or a fish in the refrigerator. And I'm playing with food because that's something everybody has to decide every day. And your higher self says, fix the chicken. And you're thinking, yeah, but the fish is going to be a day old by tomorrow. Maybe I better cook the fish. No, do the chicken. So you cook, roast the whole chicken, and some people stop by, and you're able to invite them for dinner because you've got a whole chicken. Stuff like that will start to happen. And at the end of your practice period, which is six weeks, and there's a reason why I picked six weeks, but at the end of that practice period, what happens is your ego has suddenly come on board and able to see, oh, yeah, whenever Maureen goes to the races, she always wins. I'm going to go with her. And so you get this quality of trust with the ego and your higher self connection. Then the second thing that happens is you use your will and choose to follow your higher self all the time. And what that does is ensures that you're where you need to be, you're doing what you need to do, and you get information that you didn't even know you needed before 
you needed it. So the first step is this practice period of six weeks. And I take people through a little protocol where I ask them to ask their higher self in meditation, tell me your signal for yes. Higher self, give me a symbol or signal for no. Higher self, give me a symbol or signal for neutral. And that symbol or signal could be a sound. It could be a color. It could be a feeling in the body. One lady had an experience where she had an itchy ear. And she's in a quiet meditation with me, and it's a big class. And she's thinking, stop that. I want to, I want to find my signal. And so then her foot starts to itch. Stop that. I want my signal. And her whole body starts to itch. And then she laughs to herself and says, okay, okay, I'll take the itchy ear. <laughs> yeah. So your signal can be anything. But it's something that when you ask your higher self in meditation to show you, it will show up. And then after you do that, then you make a commitment. You have a little commitment ceremony where you say, I'm willing to practice on unimportant stuff for six weeks. I'm willing to set aside all my other divination tools. No pendulum, no muscle testing, none of it. It all sits, gets set aside for the six weeks practice period. And you're only asking yes, no questions. And you're only asking Twice, so that if you don't get an answer and you keep asking, once you've asked the second time, you're done. You just make an ego decision. And I always tell people, you know what? If you want to have that cookie, you go right ahead and have the cookie. Don't be asking your higher self about stuff that you've got a lot of desire on or an emotional charge. Don't do that. Ask about stuff you don't care. And so what the, the protocol of seven things identifies for each of us how we follow the protocol we set the date in the future. So looking at today's date, six weeks from now is the beginning of August. So that is really easy. From now until August 1st, I'm going to follow this protocol. And what it does is it helps you anticipate the end. Because if you just start the protocol with us today and then you forget a little bit about it, but then you remember and you want to get back into it, you don't even remember when you started it. But if you know Right now, that on August 1, I'm going to be done with this practice period, and then I can ask important questions. What happens is you get the ability to anticipate, and it actually inspires you to remember. And oh, by the way, you're asking about unimportant stuff 30 or 40 times a day. And that's how you get the accuracy that allows you to trust it. Then when you get an intuitive hit, like the time I was driving down the freeway and a semi passed me and I get told to get behind it really close, I question, is this my higher self telling me to do that? Yes. Am I? Yes. Do it now. And I did. And ultimately by staying that close to that truck, when he changed lanes and did something different, I was right there with him and avoided an oncoming car that was going the wrong way on the freeway. Whoa. Um, so the higher self connection is available to everyone. And a lot of people say, yeah, but, you know, I have a good connection with my intuition. My angels come in. My guides come in, blah, blah, blah. And, and the answer that I have for that is everyone has angels and guides. And they want you to develop your higher self connection because that's who we are all becoming. We are all becoming our ascended master selves. And in order to do that, we have to know and feel what our higher self knows and feels. And even though we call it a higher self, truly, it is not better than you. You're the main attraction. Your center stage, all the other energy around you, you know, the prompter, the person on the lights, whatever it is, that's supporting. And the, the way to look at your higher self is to say, well, you know, it's like, 
your higher self is the C is the um, treasurer of your company, but you're the CEO. When you call the treasurer and ask if you can write a big check and he says, yes, he's not giving you permission. He's giving you information that you did not have on the balance of the checkbook at this moment. And that's the final reason why you want to check in with your higher self. And that is your higher self knows the latest version of the reality that's different from anything that's out there. You know, it's like when we listen to the weather, um, we get a weather report. And then maybe later in the day, we're watching a movie. And in the middle of the movie on a, you know, on a network station that's, you know, close to home, they might interrupt and say, you know, a hailstorm or a tornado is coming through or something unusual that wasn't in the prediction earlier today. Now, in the moment, you're getting new information that accurately reflects the reality. And that's your higher self. It's like that interrupt with the weather where you're getting all the latest but in the present moment, because real time shifts and changes based on many, many, many things. And so your higher self is giving you 100% accuracy in the moment. And it might have been different yesterday or different in the future. But today, this is your higher self. So I have many, many stories, but this is like a way to kind of really get your arms around why this protocol is so very powerful. Because even my own students who have studied with me for 10, 15 years are playing around. And um, one particular woman I know wrote a bunch of her friends that she knew had studied with me and said, I'm giving you a challenge. Let's do the 45-day higher self-practice one more time and see where it takes us. And so that's what they're doing. And it's very, very powerful. Now, once in a while, you know, you have a really important question you have to ask and you can't just avoid it because you're in the middle of a 45-day practice. And I say, you know, make those exceptions the exception. And I always have fun working with engineers because they come up with the craziest statements and the craziest things when they're doing this practice. And I do have a lot of men who learn this skill set because they like the protocol. Um, one man said that, he, you know, he... he um, he asked his higher self whether the light would change on his way home from work. And I laughed at him and said, you know, you're keeping, you know, you, you want to know what's going to happen. He said, no, I really don't care whether I get home right away or five minutes later. And I said, yes, but you're keeping score. <laughs> and he said, um, well, how else will I know if my higher self is right? And the whole point of the practice period is you are not to check and see. Instead, you're to let the information around you show you when your higher self gives you that advantage. So you ask yourself, should I go to this restaurant, um, you know, on Monday night? No. Should I go on Tuesday night? No. Should I go to a different restaurant on Monday night? Yes. And then later you discovered that restaurant closed. Mm-hmm. Um, another engineer uh, said to me, well, I'm asking about putting on my shoes. And I said, well, you're not living in Hawaii. You're not going to go without shoes all day. And he said, well, I'm just asking whether I should put on my right shoe first or my left shoe first. And I said, that's not a question because you're going to put on shoes anyway. If you're going to ask about shoes, you need to ask higher self, should I wear the brown ones? Higher self is, am I to ask, am I to wear the black ones? And then your higher self will give you a straightforward answer. And of course, the the loveliest story is when a woman walked into a workshop on the second day after we had learned this technique. And one of the other gals were looking her over. You know how we do that sometimes. We kind of take it all in. And she noticed this woman was looking at her and she said to her, you know, don't even ask. 
my higher self dressed me today. (laughs) And that's your willingness to be playful for the six weeks and to not keep score. And all kinds of cool stuff starts to happen. You know, you you get told, go to the bank now. And you think, no, I'm going to wait till no, no. And then later you discover there was a bank holiday tomorrow. If you'd put it off, you would have missed out. So, you know, the higher self um, practice period is critical because that's where you are able to separate out your own guidance and the guidance that's coming in around you. And I call that the lower self, you know, your intuition, your, um, your um, desires, your emotions, all of that's lower self energy. And it's good information, but the higher self will give you proactive information. So lower self is reactive. Everything you're reading the field and you're reacting to it. But your higher self is ahead of the curve. Kind of like if you're driving down the, uh, a mountain road and you know you get told to pull over and look at the scenic overview and there's another car that comes down that hill, goes left of center. Where are you? You're out of harm's way. In the version of the reality where you're just using your intuition, you're going to sense that there's danger, so you're going to slow down. You might even be um, careful, but you're not going to get off the road because you're going to keep going. And when that car comes down left of center, you may be able to get out of the way. You might be safe, but you're scared. The adrenaline is pouring. Wouldn't it be better to be out of harm's way and not even need to be safe? Sure. sure. So this is the skill set that I began teaching when I started teaching the Merkaba meditation, because in the early years of this meditation, we had to check in with our higher self. And no one told us how to do that. No one gave us any kind of understanding. Well, what even is the higher self? And the higher self is the version of you that's completely plugged into God. And it's got full access to the God information, and it's got full access to your information. So what better... Um, version of you to know what needs to happen. But that version of you isn't facing tests. That version of you isn't, you know, living in a physical body with real-time experiences that, you know, stand in the way of success or stand in the way of of, of feeling good about a situation. You know, um, when I've been with my husband for six years, but when he came along in my life and he, um, you know, was trying to court me, I said to him, well, you're going to have to come to New York. And I'm thinking, like, move to New York. And he said, well, when should I come? And I really did not want a long-distance relationship. So I said, well, you know, look on my website. And if I'm not teaching somewhere, I'm home in New York. And so he did. And the next time I heard from him, he said, I bought two airline tickets, one for October and one for September, the only two weekends you're not teaching. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then before he actually showed up, he's inviting me for Christmas. Now he's calling me every day. So he thinks he's in a relationship with me. This, you know, men do think things like this and I'm thinking, whatever. And, um, he invites me on this fabulous thing. I'm going to be coming back from Japan. Hawaii's right on the way. It would be an easy thing for me to, you know, spend a week in Hawaii after my work in uh, Japan. And, at the same time, my personality said, you know, I don't know you well enough to make such a plan. I'm, I'm not, what if I don't like him, you know? And so um, 
while I'm on the phone with him, my higher self comes in. Aren't you going to check in? And I thought to myself, oh, my God. So I said to him, look, I always check in. So I will get back to you because I'm thinking I don't want to check in while I'm on the phone with him. I want to make sure I'm getting 100% accurate. And then I don't need any outside influence with him on the phone. Um, So as I began to do this work and I have taught it to all of my family members, although they don't necessarily use it uh, because they're not, you know, they're they're still finding their own way. Um, But one time I was kind of joking around with one of my sons and he um, he was going to be um, in town when I was coming to the town he lived in. And I was teasing and saying, you know, I'm staying with this other man who's um, got a big house. And he is going to let me drive his Beamer, his BMW. And, of course, my sons have always questioned my skill set around driving. I mean, you know, when you're that plugged into the sky, it's pretty hard to be grounded on an on a automobile, right? <laughs> so... Um, when I said to him, well, you know, Seth is going to let me drive his Beamer, he looked at me and deadpanned, um, Mom, maybe he didn't check in <laughs> when he said you could do that. <laughs> and, of course, you know, you have to laugh because, you know, that's what, that's what your kids do to you. So I so encourage all of the listeners to take a look at the entire book and to learn all of the skill sets because we've all put our best foot out there and we're, you know, we're showing our top, top stuff that will allow people not only to gain their higher self connection, but to expand their awareness and what's available to them. And I am so excited about the content of this book and how it's going to literally leapfrog people all the way out to a whole new level of consciousness and experience. Yeah. It really is. Um, it really is incredible. And I thank you, Maureen. I don't know if you're staying on longer. I do want to bring Leslie in just because, I mean, Leslie, you talk about the emotions. And yes, definitely the reactive part of us is the lower energies. But when we connect in with our bliss, when we connect in with our our joy, it's, it's you know, it. we all come from, we all experience and come into our higher self and our highest expression of self from so many different viewpoints, which is why I love the book because we're all, we're all in it in the same, you know, we're all coming from a similar place from all different, different areas because we're all so incredibly unique and so, you know, so powerfully um, connected. So I know Leslie, you go from emotional mastery to emotional freedom. And I know that you know, that's one way that I connect in when I know, you know, when I know that there's something wrong, when my emotions are in that lower essence. But I mean, there's so much richness with emotions to bring us into the, into the higher aspects. Absolutely. Um, Well, if you think about what your emotions do, your emotions are telling you how your inner belief is in either concert or discord with your outer experience. So, you're either going to be very blissful or you're going to be very not and somewhere in between. But they're always telling you what's going on, whether you have harmony or conflict within you based off what you're experiencing at the time. And so when you can understand that and then you can start to master it, then you can become free because now they don't own you. You understand what your emotions are trying to tell you and where they're coming from. And 
we're all such complex creatures because none of us have the same experience. None of us grew up the same way. None of us are walking the same path of mastery. So even the common experience, we can all experience different. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and that's what makes it fun. Yes, definitely. And Jean, you bring in the DNA, and that's also a way to connect. It's kind of the, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's, it like lights up your, your path. It's, it's like when you connect in with the higher parts of your DNA, it's like it, it's, I see little lights going off that sort of guide you along. So it, I mean, we're all doing such unique and similar we're all getting to the same place we're just all doing it so uniquely and differently and I love that and I love that that's what the book is all about Maureen how can people find you they can go to my website maureenstgermain.com m-a-u-r-e-e-n s-t g-e-r-m-a-i-n dot com they can send us an email at info at maureenstgermain.com. On my website, we always have a freebie, and that's uh, a free download that you can get, a guided meditation. Plus, I have other um, freebies for people who are listening, and I know all the speakers do. Um, so I encourage you to check that out and learn a little bit more. Nice. Nice. Um, if, if you need to go, if you'd like to join, stay with us, I, you know, I would love to continue, you know, chatting about it. Um, okay. I just wanted to give uh, Leslie a little bit more opportunity to, to um, expand on, like, give us an example, Leslie, of how our, um, how our emotions can move us from mastery and into freedom and how that sort of unfolds for us. Well, when you're looking at your emotions, when you're actually ready to say, I need to work on this, it's, and in the book, I give you different techniques, but it's a way to kind of look at what's triggering you and how you feel about it. And so what I like to do is take a piece of paper, draw two lines and have, so I have three columns. So I have a negative, a neutral and a positive. And then I start listing words that relate to either people or animals, places, things, events. And then I stop and I look at them, each one, and then I check in with myself. Like when I say the word mother, where are you on that scale? Is it neutral, negative, or positive? Father, a skunk, the moon, traffic, doesn't matter. List your words. Because what you're trying to do is say, where am I on that emotional scale with any one of those words? Because the ones you want to work on are all the ones that you have that negative reaction to. Because those are the ones telling you where you have a conflict that you need to master. Because those are the ones that are triggering you. So that's where I start. Um, and then once you get there, we start to dig a little deeper to say, well, why? Why am I having this reaction? Because when it's a negative event in your life, you actually lock it into your physical body, your mental body, and your emotional body, and not always in the same place. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is once you've locked in a negative event, now every time anything else that happens that's on that same vibrational frequency, it will trigger that response, even though that's not the initial cause of it. Your body recognizes and your emotions recognize that vibration. And so it creates 
trauma in your body, trauma in your life, and it creates emotional distress and, and unnecessary fears and things that go along with that. Mm-hmm. So it's just a way to look at it and then get a feel for what it is and where it is. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what kind of, what sort of brought you onto this journey? What was, what was the pinnacle aspect that kind of pushed you towards, you know, wanting to have emotional mastery and freedom? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> Loaded question? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's just, you know, can I answer that in 30 seconds? Mm. Probably not. It, because it's been more of a lifelong quest of... Sure. Why do I react the way I do and why do other people react differently? Because as a child, that was kind of my observation. Somebody could walk up and they would see a spider and they would go, oh, bug. And somebody else would walk up and get hysterical over a spider. And you're like, wow, it's just a little tiny bug. And so you start just observing how people respond differently to different things. You realize that when somebody hurts your feelings or does something to you, if you're a young child, it just crushes you. You know, if you if as a child, if you took the time to sit down and just put all your love and all your heart into this beautiful picture and you presented it to your parents and they just threw it away or didn't respond, it just crushes your little heart. But that impacts you. And so now you start to not trust. So I started just observing this and then just over time, digging deeper to what is that core element and what are these emotions and how do they control you and what are they doing? Um, why does one person fall apart in a a crisis and somebody else is is a pillar of strength? What's triggering that? And so when you start crawling underneath it, you come back to what emotions are. It's that telling you how your inside reality is either in harmony or discord with your outside experience. Hmm. And how do you bring them back together? And then there's a whole nother layer of all of that because now you can get into what I love to call cherished beliefs. So cherished beliefs are those things that you believe that if anyone, your outside experience is contrary to that belief, you have an absolute negative reaction to and you don't want to discuss it. You don't want to talk about it. Somebody else is absolutely wrong because they're rocking your little boat. Those are the ones that in order to achieve mastery, you really have to take a long, hard look at to understand why you feel so strongly about something that anybody else disagreeing with you is difficult for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, it's okay that we have different opinions. The mastery part is why are you having such a strong opinion about that one thing? I'd like to jump in here and say, you know, Leslie, I love the title cherished beliefs because it's true. You know, we all have what we know limiting beliefs and we all have beliefs, but what about our cherished beliefs? And that's like, I'm cherry picking and these are the way it is. And that's just how it is. And it's a way to be safe. And I love, you know, I love the part about how, you know, you analyze the emotions and you go through them step by step. Um, I can also attest to the fact that this work that you're teaching is very, very powerful. One time I had a situation where my um, cameraman, who was a fill-in, he had walked away from the camera while we were in the middle of a videotaping, and I didn't know I had abandonment issues. I thought that those were long gone. Until that happened, and I and I'm like, oh my god, he abandoned my camera, and at that moment. So I think sometimes we find that there are windows of opportunity 
that give us insight on an issue that we didn't know we were still carrying a little bit of a charge. Exactly. And that tool, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because what you were picking up on was that same frequency of that abandonment that was had been pushed down and you didn't know you had it. Well, not pushed down. I had done a lot of work on it, but there was still a thread left. Yes. And by that's part of what I, when I say pushed down, that's part of what I mean. It's like it lays dormant until that vibration of that is felt again. And because it, it's not just the one piece your emotions get stuck in your physical body, your mental body, and your emotional body. And you may have been doing a whole lot of work on one or two of those, but there's still the third one that you have to peel all the way down. But it's a vibrational thing. And so he triggered that to let you know, I'm still out here. Isn't that awesome? Yes. And and to go along with that, peeling down is very important because I believe that um, each of us are working on all these things all the time, but that... You know, you it's like peeling a banana. You could eat half the banana but there, and think you're done, but there's still the other half. And that's, you know, sometimes you think you've done your work, and that's what I was implying here. Yeah. And yet there's still a little piece left that could be ferreted out and cleared. So, you know, as, as our listeners are listening to this conversation, you know, you may think you've done all your work. You may think that you don't have any emotional issues, but when you go in and do this work and, and as it's defined, you know, create the chart and, and, you know, see where you're feeling in that moment, you may discover that there's energy on something that you didn't even know you had an issue or that you had worked on, but still could work some more. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And it is just incredible. And it's, it's, it's complex, but that's what makes it fun and messy at the same time. You know, that's why we're all so individually unique. Um, and you, there's no rush. You can take it at whatever stage you're ready to take it. It's just, you know, what I try to point out in the book are techniques to use when you're ready to start achieving that mastery so that you can have that freedom. So and your emotions aren't driving you, you're driving them. Yeah, so important. It's, you know, um, our earlier guests, uh, we had um, Lynn Waldrop and we had um, Julia Griffin. And one of the things that came up was we talked about fun. And you just brought that up, Leslie. So it, it's my leeway into that. Because I think we spend so much of our journey, and I know Jean and I talk about it a lot, being so serious. And I can see the very playful part that, Maureen, that you talk about. Leslie, how can we make, you know, such an important piece around our emotions? How can we make that more fun? How can we make it more playful so that people... Um, because it's kind of serious work. <laughs> there, it's hard to uh, it's hard for me to think of a way to make that playful. But I'm sure that you you can can offer that just because it is what you do. And the freedom aspect, of course, you know, opens us so much up once we've once we've peeled that onion. Which it's amazing how many layers of an there can be on you know each each of our cherished beliefs. <laughs> well, cherished beliefs and just the way we interact with life. And, you know, when you're in it, when you're really deep in it and you're in that negative emotion, you know, you can't go from that to bliss in one second. I know. <laughs> you either have to baby step it up. And the best advice I can give when you're in it is just breathe, 
find something to laugh about or go take a nap until you can shift the energy. And then once you've gotten out of that intensity, now you can come back and you can look at it. And then you can start to sort of peel underneath it like, okay, why do I feel abandoned? Where did that come from? And you can start just writing it down. I feel abandoned because my boyfriend in the seventh grade chose somebody else. Okay, well, what else? Well, when I was five, my brother said, you know, left me in the the closet and I was scared. You keep peeling it back till you can find that one little core emotion. And then you can look at it and go, okay, I understand why little two-year-old Leslie felt that way. Because as a two-year-old, that was a very scary thing. But now that I'm an adult, I can look at it and realize that it wasn't the way I perceived it. And you can start to shift it a little bit. And so that's one way that you can work with some of those. And then another way when it's something that's really stuck and I've, I'm actually making that emotion a shadow, mm-hmm. I want to make it an ally for me. And so when I'm trying to make an emotion an ally, that's where I give it a shape, I give it a texture, I give it a color, I give it a personality, and I give it a name. And so now when that one comes up, I call it by a name and I make it my friend. And then if, like if I'm playing with anger, it's like, okay, that, that just really, really, really pissed me off. Okay, well, how pissed off are you? And I just go down that stream of how pissed off am I? And I just let it all play out until I get to the point that I hear how ridiculous I sound and I can laugh. And then that shifts it and the whole thing will dissipate. So it's just kind of fun to sit there and just observe your emotions and then play with them. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm really pissed off today. Well, how pissed off am I? And you go down that path and then you laugh and you go, that's really funny. Um, it, it, sometimes you could get there pretty quick and sometimes it takes you a little bit to really dissipate all that energy. Um, but Maureen, I have to tell you, I've been using your technique of, of checking in with my higher self and I'm building a house. And I kept looking at this saying, there's something not right. I knew something wasn't right. But it took me a while to stop the noise of everything around me before I could pinpoint exactly wasn't, what wasn't right. But it was telling cool. me, like, it is not right. It is not right. And I knew the minute they did it, it wasn't right. It just took me a little bit to actually get to what wasn't right. And then what I realized on one of them is there were a lot of things that weren't right. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's very cool. And I love the part where you were saying um, that you give the emotion, uh, you know, some labels, some colors, some, you know, some texture, a name. Because, you know, I would think that sometimes when you're feeling something, it might just come up as the color or the texture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you could really have some fun with, oh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. And, and as you say, yep. move into laughter and, and then it's gone. Yeah. That's very right. cool. When I, I've named my stubborn resistance. That's the one that seems to be with me a lot right now. <laughs> That's Fred Jr. So Fred Jr. and I have a lot of conversations. So when I feel that, I go, oh, Fred Jr. And then I have to ask Fred, like, okay, Fred, what are you here to tell me? What are you here to share with me? What can I do for you? Because I'm feeling it, and there's Fred. So hilarious. I mean, Who's Fred? I mean, Fred Jr., you've already told the whole list, but is there somebody named Fred in your life? No. No, well, that's funnier. Well, that's great. That's really awesome. Yeah, because when I started, I said, okay, I'm going to work on this emotion. And I went through the whole, you know, what color, what shape are you, what all this. And then I got down and I said, okay, and what is your name? And this little boy said, I'm Fred Jr. And I went, really? <laughs> <laughs> why, why Fred? Why not, you know, Sarah? I don't know. But my resistance is Fred Jr. And no clue where that one came from. 
Well, you know, um, think about it. It's really kind of cool because Fred Jr. says he's the diminutive. So he's not really, really big anger. He's just, you know, small voice, persistent, whatever anger. It's just yeah. delightful. Yeah. And so, but, but I recognize that now. So when that emotion comes in, because it's one that I've named, then I can have the conversation of, okay, why are you showing up? So I can stop and look at what I'm doing, how I'm reacting to my outside experience that this is the emotion that I'm calling in and then I can get playful with it. And then we can figure out like, okay, why are you here? What is it you want me to do? <laughs> you know, that's because, cool. you know, so I just, but that's how I do it. And it just to make it more fun um, because it also dissipates that. Yeah. So now I can tell I'm in touch with those emotions and I understand where the trigger points are and when to just stop and breathe. Cause when they happen, I just like, just stop just absolutely stop and I take four deep breaths because that allows me to center and ground and then to look at it instead of react to it. And it doesn't matter what the emotion is. It's just stop, <laughs> you know, and let's look. Very cool. Very yeah. Very I think cool. that's really amazing, Leslie. I think just the fact that you can give it a name that's playing, that's making it fun. That's kind of, you know, it takes away some of that charge because you've now, I don't know, you've, you've, you've given it an opportunity to voice what it needs to, to voice, but you've given it like a persona. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that way it's no longer a shadow yeah. because shadows are the ones you deny. Yeah. So when you find that you have an emotion that, that is a shadow for you because you don't want to admit you feel that way, that's when you really want to take some time and Give it an identity because when it has a name, it's personal to you. You're looking at it and now you can see what it's trying to, what's the gift, what's it trying to give you rather than something to push behind you and ignore. So life is supposed to be fun. You know, we, we try to take this way too serious. It's Uh, like we should be having fun. Absolutely. So I'm always looking for ways to put fun back into my life. Very nice. And Maureen, how about you? I am totally on board here, and I'm I'm just giggling about um, this whole thing of, of the persona, and I'm also liking the the information about, you know, when we allow ourselves to see the humor in anything, we absolutely make a leap up because then that emotion doesn't control us anymore. We are back in our power, and we are in our place of center. So I I love this this way of working it. And I also want to point out something else. The, um, the um, way that Leslie defines the shadow as being something that we don't want to admit that we are feeling is very powerful because I think a lot of people hear these words and they don't know what it means, you know, the shadow work and to be able to say, Oh, that's what that means. is very, very powerful. So what a succinct, great label because it's, it's true. You know, there are times in our life that we're just not willing to admit that we feel a certain way. We don't want to hurt someone's feelings. We don't want to make waves. We don't want to rock the boat, whatever it is. And and to say, oh, that's sh- that's real shadow work. So mm-hmm. one other tool I'd like to offer up, and that is truthfulness. And it falls right in line with this because I have found in, in the work of manifestation and also with your higher self, that when you are willing to be honest with yourself and with others, you up the ante, you up your success, you up your sense of self, 
and you validate not only yourself, but everyone around you. So you become a magnet for everything you love. It's very, very important. And it goes right along with this work, shadow work, and also working with your emotions. Well, you know, we were talking talking in the first part of the show about alignment. And if you're not being honest with yourself, then you can't even hope to get in alignment with the things that you're wanting to manifest, can you? No, that's absolutely right. And sometimes you don't know you're not being honest, which is very tricky. So one of the things is it kind of falls in line with this emotional work, the shadow work and the higher self work is this idea that someone will put something in your face if you need to see a part of yourself that you didn't know was problematic. Um, you know, I had something happen to me recently and, and a close family member said, well, you know, that was rude. And I didn't know I was being rude. I truly did not think about my calling to a taxi driver across the street to please come onto my side was rude. But as my son pointed out, it is only an Uber driver. They're not a real taxi. And maybe they don't know that they should come to your side of the road. Maybe they don't realize that you're uncomfortable crossing a busy street, blah, blah, blah. And any way you look at it, I could have just waited till she came to me instead of calling out. And it was a big eye opener because I care about people. I don't want ever to send the message that I think I deserve something better than they're willing to give anybody else. But, of course, I do have a standard. So what an eye-opener, you know, and how do I handle that need for me and at the same time not be rude? Um, So sometimes we don't know we're not telling the truth. Sometimes we don't realize it. And the classic example is 20 years ago, I had a friend that I was involved with in a study group, and we had a deck of cards on the Course in Miracles. And the lady pulled a card that said, stop lying. And this was one of the nicest, sweetest, kind-hearted people you would ever meet. And we all looked at her and looked at this card and went, what the heck? Why would she pull that card? So the next week she came back and she said, you know, I found out that I was lying to my son. I was lying to my husband. And I didn't even know it. You know, they'd, they'd want something for dinner and they'd ask what I want and I'd just go along with it. And I realized later, wait a minute, I have needs too. And so she was overlooking her own needs didn't realize that that was a version of lying so very interesting stuff yeah (laughs) very interesting stuff it's all like really intertwined that's why it's such a great book because it gives everybody enough information about some very powerful tools that any one of them you know you just dig in deep and you're going to just make magic happen for yourself i totally agree leslie Give us uh, a way for we, for us to connect with you. Um, they can go to my website, which is leslieamerson.com. So that's L-E-S-L-I-E-A-M-E-R-S-O-N.com. Cool. And have all my information out there. And yep. Leslie, you've done your talk. Maureen, have you done your talk on the Realities of Creation seminar? No, I'm on the um, back end of our group. Um, I I think I'm the closing one. And I'm so grateful for that uh, spot because it worked perfectly with my schedule. So those of you who are listening, you can still come back and hear a, a direct uh, interview that we're going to do covering that material. Nice. And Jean. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> you were a little quiet this time. I know it was kind of... It, 
great conversation this last this last hour. I love it. Um, so everybody can connect with you at Jean Adrian J E A N A D R I E N N E dot com. And we are doing a, um, Jean and I have a heart-centered support group, and we are offering for anybody who buys the book, whether it's Kindle or um, the hard copy, if you buy the book on Amazon and write us a review, you can get uh, four weeks in our heart-centered support group. So I really um, hope that uh, you pick up this book because it has some incredible women. We just had... You know, we just had um, just a few of the incredible women that are, are part of this book. And, you know, I'm really honored to be part of it. I love, you know, everybody's work. And I think, you know, together we're, we really are making the magic happen. So thank you, Maureen. Thank you, Leslie. And as always, Jean, we'll be back next month. But uh, Absolutely. when actually you. is your new show starting? Is it starting um, The month? 30th of uh of may okay uh, yeah and it will be my first guest will be alaya dow nice nice and that means i will be on is it am i going to be the first monday so the sixth first monday of june <laughs> yeah first monday in june yay i have to be up really early and put makeup you have on. to put on makeup <laughs> Okay. So thank you, ladies. This has been a wonderful um, opportunity for me to to offer um, my listeners all the information. They already know my stuff because they've been hearing it for <laughs> for years now. But I, you know, really appreciate you all coming on and sharing who you are. So thank you for having me. You're thank welcome. you for having me. You're welcome. And you are listening to News for the Heart. We have been getting to the heart of what matters and we'll be back next week. Have a question for Lori and want to be on the next News from the Heart show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. News from the Heart is brought to you by Intuitive Soul and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org. 